Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host sitting in the virtual studios in South Bend, Indiana, Ken Hellenius. Sitting across from me is the dynamic deacon himself, handsome as ever can be, preacher of the gospel, a man of faith, a family man, and my very, very good friend for 230 episodes of Living Stones so far, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. Hey, Ken. How you doing? Wow, 230. Wow, that's awesome. 230. So if you divide each of those by half an hour, that's like, uh, what, 115 hours of quality audio? Yeah, that's right. Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's assume it was all quality audio. Exactly. No, no this has been uh, a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we started in Portland, Oregon, there at Modern Day Radio, and since have taken the nation. Like uh, coast to coast, you can tune in the living, you can be a member of the Livingstones family from coast to coast, you know, all the way out to, to uh, you know, Pennsylvania and all the way across, you know, we've got Ohio and Indiana and Kansas and Illinois and I can't even think of all the states, Oregon and, and lots more. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's a long list, but uh, we are delighted to have you along for this uh, great conversation, but uh What's been uh, what's been going on? What do you know? Uh, well, just living a dream, man. <laughs> nice. You know, nice. Uh, it's good. You know, uh, kind of looking forward uh, already to uh, Thanksgiving. You know, hopefully all the the kids will be home from from college. Uh, but we'll see. You know, because it's such a short time between college and winter break for Christmas. So right, they may right. or may not come home. But uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, being thankful and, and looking forward to a couple of weeks here to Advent. And uh, you know, I don't like this time of year, though, man, because it's dark early. You know, I like it, it when it's light. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I just not depressing. I don't you know, I don't get that kind of seasonal thing. But but it's just like, you know, I don't know. I just like the light. Like Jesus, I want the light, not the darkness. The light. You don't want to be doing those deeds of darkness, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this past Friday, we actually had at my parish confirmations, and so uh, Bishop Kevin Rhodes of the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, came to Saint Joseph Parish in South Bend, and it's such a joyful occasion to see young people actually, you know, choosing. I mean, they were joyful about the saints that they chose as their patrons and. And, and uh, but just to spend time with the bishop, and he's an excellent preacher, and he um, you know really challenges the students, uh, challenges the young, the the young Catholics to live out their faith and to make this confirmation, the celebration of the sacrament of confirmation, you know, the sealing in the Holy Spirit, to make it actually mean something in their lives, and uh, that was a joyful occasion. So congratulations to them, and uh, and thank you to our bishops for going around and continuing to preach the gospel uh, and challenging the uh, the young people to uh, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and they, uh, we want to make sure that to, for the young people that are listening to Living Stones, that confirmation for you doesn't become Catholic graduation. Right. You know, that you right. have received these gifts of the Holy Spirit, and now you need to go out and be the person who God created you to be. You have everything that you need. You know, you yeah. have the grace from God, that, that, that which is 
completed and sealed your baptism. You have the Eucharist, which nourishes and strengthens those beautiful gifts and, and which leave indelible marks on your soul, baptism and confirmation. You know, and so cooperate with the grace. Say yes. Say yes to what God wants to do in your life. And God will be able to do amazing things when you you allow when he's the musician and you become a faithful instrument in his hands. God can do amazing things in the in the world. Just just say yes and don't be afraid to say yes yeah. to his will in your life. Yeah. Now, I know you've worked on some texts. Like, did you have a textbook that uh, is for confirmation? Well, it's a confirmation program through Ascension Press. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. It's, it's uh, chosen. Pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's used in a lot of parishes and is a really great to be part of that project. And what I love is that it really speaks to young people at the, you know, to young people directly about confirmation, everything that goes with it, and, and how it's connected to their everyday lived experience. I love that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, indeed, confirmation, one of the great sacraments, you know, the the third and final of the sacraments of initiation. And yet, uh, as you said, Deacon, we don't want it to be co- uh, Catholic graduation. It's meant to be uh, an empowering uh, sealing in the Holy Spirit that prepares you for the work of being a uh, Christian. Amen. Congratulations, folks. Well, last week we started talking about uh, kind of Christological teachings, and we kind of we, we're calling this kind of Christology 101 in a way. And uh, the way we're doing it is by looking at some of the ways that the church continued to deepen its own understanding and theology of Christ, Jesus Christ, as the Word made flesh. And um, and the way we're doing it is and the way the church primarily did this was by actually dealing with false teaching, with error. And so last week we talked about docetism, we talked about Gnosticism, and you can, of course, go back and listen to that episode if you missed it uh, by going to uh, moderndayradio.com and just go to Living Stones, download the previous episodes there. It was a great conversation. You should also subscribe to us, by the way, in your podcast player, because you can download the show and listen to it at your leisure uh, if you happen to, uh, uh, you know, want to be able to listen to Deacon Harold on the go, then uh, fire, fire him up in your old podcast player. But, uh, but yeah, so, so last week we talked about those, uh, heresies and we kind of got to, um, to the point where we're going to pick up the conversation with, uh, with a really fun one, Sabalianism. Yeah. You know, some of these heresies, you know, where do you get these names from? They're actually named after the person that, um, uh, that pr- proposed the, the teaching. You know, yeah. uh, so Sibelius was the person who proposed Sibelianism. Arius was, when we talk about Arianism, was proposed Arianism. I mean, so, so some of these are named after the people, and, and, and this was the case here. And now Sibelius taught something called, an era called modalism. So he said they're not three distinct divine persons, but three modes of being in which God exists. The first mode being father, second mode being son, and the third mode being the Holy Spirit. And, and interesting enough, the word for person, um, uh, prosopon in Greek, was originally used for a mask that were worn by actors in the theater. So there's no real trinity. There's only one God, but he plays three roles. Right. Like an actor would in the theater. Right. So for Christ, God, the father becomes the son, but he takes his father masks off and puts on the son mask. And then when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, he takes off the son mask and puts on the Holy Spirit mask. So that's again, 
So you're trying to grapple with how could God be three and one at the same time? Right, without right. without recognizing that you you'll never understand the mystery because in order to understand it you have to be God. <laughs> See? Right. But they try again human beings are trying to make sense of things in life that sometimes don't make sense. So this yeah. was Sibelius's way of trying to say okay, th- yes we know there's one God, he didn't deny that. But he denied the persons of God, three distinct persons. Instead, he talked about three distinct modes of being. The question that I would have is, why is it so important that we think about God? If it's something that I'm not going to be able to grasp in my brain, because it's supernatural, it's beyond what my nature can comprehend. Why actually, why should we worry about it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, when you get to, to know someone personally and intimately, you want to make sure that you're understanding the person for who they are, right? So you don't want to impose yeah. what you think about the person as actually being who the person is. So you, you have to distinguish the reality from your perception, you see? So if yeah. we're getting to know Christ, we have to know Christ as who Christ is and not what our perception of who Christ is. So, um, so the church again has to, and this is where we start seeing uh, great teachers like uh, Clement of Alexandria uh, and uh, Cyprian, you know, using the words Trinity in describing God. So in the Trinity, there's one nature. So God does share one divine nature, but there's three persons. Now in Christ, there are, there's only one person. He's not a human person because his person comes from the fact he's the second person person of the trinity but he takes on a human nature and so that divine nature is united with the human nature and this fancy thing called the hypostatic union um where 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 god doesn't lose anything in the nature that he had before and he assumes a a, a complete and perfect human nature which he got of course from the blessed virgin mary and Mm -hmm. that he exists in that relationship without any confusion change separation or division so if if sibelius was correct then and which led to another heresy called patropassianism we could say that well when we say that god died jesus died on the cross well the father died too or the holy spirit died well no yeah you no, see, you see yeah. what i'm saying because that leads to that leads to other problems if you don't get the understanding of the trinity right and the person within the trinity we can say that god died on the cross but you say well wait a minute how could god die well, Jesus is un- the second person of the Trinity. He didn't die in his, trini- in his Trinitarian nature because he's God. But because mm-hmm. that, that nature is united to a human nature, that human nature died. So we could say that God died. You see? Which is an affirmation that Jesus Christ is truly God. Right. But he's not the Father or the Holy Spirit. So it's not just a matter of taking modes like he's just one and there's these different modes of being They're They're distinct persons within the triune God, Mm -hmm. you know, so the Jesus is not the father and the son, but he's united in that one nature with the father. So, so for example, um, I'll just use uh, myself. Right. So I'm a father of Claire, Angela, Benjamin and Sophia. I'm the son of Harold and Eleanor Sivers, God rest their souls. And I'm also a deacon, you know, by the Mm -hmm. power of ordination of the Holy Spirit. So when I'm talking to you now, Ken, I'm talking to you as Deacon Harold. Right. But I'm also a father and I'm also a son, but I'm not, I don't have my my son and father mask off and just talking to you as Deacon Harold mask. 
You see right, what I'm saying? Right, right. And when I go home to my family, I'm not taking my deacon mask and my son mask off because now I'm going to be the father. You see, you see what I'm saying? So, yeah. So, so that's what the church is trying to work out. Um, so I could be all three at the same time, but I mean, again, it's, it's a human analogy that that often that, that fails. Right, like, you and can't analogies, the yeah. It's only by analogy that we could ever talk about God. Only right. by analogy, and, and the dissimilarity is greater than the similarity. Right, but, right. But the, this is more, a technical there's thing. There's more. Yeah. yeah, there's more similarity between us and a pair of scissors than between us and God. Right. <laughs> you know? right. So, right. It's an infinite gap. Yeah. So, so the church is just trying to to understand and struggle with these issues. So, no, God doesn't exist as a mode of being. He exists as three persons within persons. the one nature of of God Himself. Okay, so this is the idea, um, as you said, God the Father did not suffer on the cross and die. Uh, he may have suffered in terms of sadness. Well, I guess we right. we can't even, it's even <laughs> hard to associate, you know, to attribute. I mean, even the word suffering, when we talk about passions and things like that, these this is change. Change does not happen in God. Well, in, remember, in Jesus God. also prayed Psalm 22 on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken? So who's he praying to? Right. <laughs> He's not praying to right. himself. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? And he can't wear, yeah. and he can't wear both masks at the same time. Right. Right. So, right. so see again. So, surveillance has and modalism has problems here. You know, when you yeah. look at the full import of what, of how that teaching is carried forward, when you look at the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And this comes back to the idea of what heresy is. Sabellianism. Sabellius was trying to explain how how God could um, relate to humankind, but. To do so, he had to emphasize only one aspect of, of the teaching to the exclusion of the other parts. And again, if you remember, as Deacon Harold mentioned last week, the very word heresy means to choose out yeah. or to, you know, and to emphasize to the exclusion of others. And so it's not that what Sibelius was talking about was... Um, he didn't set out to destroy the teaching. He tried. He was trying to understand it in his own way, but then he became obstinate in that, yeah. and that is where yeah. the actual heresy kind of begins. Is it's not realizing that right now I want to talk about just this little part, and then we're going to relate it back to the whole and show how this fits with everything. That's what the church's uh, real role is: is by pointing out that well, what you are saying here is but part of the entire whole, right. the entire systematic presentation of the truth See, and, and of our relationship. Yeah, and typically there is an element of truth in the her heretical teaching, right? But but mm -hmm, it, it, mm -hmm. it just puts it and carries it too far. So this is why, why we see the church borrowing the language of philosophy here. You know, for example, mm -hmm. you know, the person, the way they understood it was, you know, like a, a, a original uh, Greek meaning was a mask that a person had in a play, right? And so that's where Sibelius got off. But then, um, then the church borrowed that language of person. Um, Boethius came with the definition, an individual substance of a rational nature, or as Scott Hahn says, an individual subsistent being of a rational nature. You see? Okay. So you have the three persons in God, individual subsistent beings of one rational divine nature. And yes. that's how the church understood it. And Sabella's just because like, nah, that doesn't make any sense. I like my way better. 
Uh, wrong, <laughs> you know, uh, and, yeah. uh, and and these again truths that reveal the church's discerning this, the church's understanding this. Again, protected by the Holy Spirit and matters of faith and moral, they cannot teach error in these in these matters. Yeah, wow. So now this is interesting because it in exploring and and kind of trying to understand how Christ um, was related to the Father. This idea of Christology and in the encounter with Jesus Christ, the person God made man, we are beginning to get insight into the relationship of God within within the Godhood, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how they relate to one another. So we move from Christology to an understanding of the Trinity, and you used a phrase, hypostatic union. Can you unpack that a bit? Because we talk about hypostatic union, both how Christ related to God and man together, but then there's hypostatic union of how Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relate to yeah, one another. Yeah, so, so that relationship of the, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit within himself is actually called um, divine perichoresis. Or, I knew we'd get to that yeah, first because it's one of your circumcision. So in the West, yeah. we say circumcision. In the East, they say divine perichoresis, but it's basically the same thing. It's how, how the inner life of God within himself. Okay. Um, so how, when, when Jesus says the father and I are one, what does he mean? So how is the father in the son and the Holy Spirit? How is the Holy Spirit and the Son in the Father? How is the Father and the Son in the Holy Spirit? And that relationship of constant, complete giving of self, one to the other, the Father giving everything, totally complete of himself to the Son and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit giving everything back to the Father and the Son, and Jesus giving everything back to the Holy Spirit and the Father, in that beautiful triune relationship of love and intimacy and communion, the inner workings of God, um, it says God's heart, if you will, you know, uh, God's inner life. And I think from that inner life is where God drew from when he created woman. You know, in Genesis chapter one, because you know, obviously God. Now we're talking about terms here, Ken, because God doesn't have sex. We're not talking about male and female. We're not talking about gen- God doesn't have gender because God is God, but he does create male and female. So I think from this inner life within himself is where he pulls from to create a woman. Um, wh- wh- and again, this is just, you know, th- theological speculation on my part. But when you look at a woman, you know, she, women are much more interior than men you know they, they are much more in touch with their feelings and emotions they're just, these aren't just stereotypes these are actually in general characteristics of women right they their their reproductive systems are on the inside right they're much more articulate their, their f- parts of their brain function much more efficiently than men do you know um and I, and I think all this comes from this beautiful inner life of god so when so god now says okay how am i going to interact with my with with my creation how i'm going to save humanity that the, that second person of the trinity becomes incarnate in the womb of the blessed virgin mary so you have the divine nature united with the human nature now what's the the, the characteristics of human nature body and soul and the characteristic of of a soul intellect and will you know, so so God, so Jesus had to be had a perfect 
with divine nature because he's God, so it is perfect mm-hmm. by the very nature, mm-hmm. but then also a, a, a complete perfect human nature because of Mary uh, conceived the Immaculate Conception without the stain of sin. So uh, Jesus is inherited this perfect human nature, body and soul, with intellect and with and with will. And same thing with God's nature has a divine intellect and the divine will. So, for example, you talked about this before. So Jesus grew up and he had to learn stuff. So how does that work without any confusion, change, separation, division between the two natures? So think about it like this. Jesus could see a rock or a deer, and he knows the very nature of those things because Mm -hmm. he's God. But if he wanted to, uh, if he's looking at these rocks, he had to count, he had to learn how to count to see how many rocks there are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see, mm-hmm. so so he and Joseph had and Mary had to teach him how to read, how to uh, read Hebrew, and how to speak Aramaic, and and those kinds of things. How so, to be a carpenter, right? Ex- all right of those exactly, sorts of all those skills. So yeah. so by the very nature, when we see this in Jesus' healings. He, he heals people because he's God. He knows. Remember, he often knows he knows what they were thinking. He knew what right. they were feeling. He knew, he knew he knew their hearts. By the very nature, because he's God, but yet he still had to perform a physical sign <laughs> because he's human. You know, right. he had to eat. Right. He had to, he had to, you know, if he wanted to, to, to know how many words or he had to count the words in a scroll or something like that, you know? So, so, so that's kind of how we see it. But again, he exists without any confusion, change separation or division what's called the typically the four negative adverbs uh, so so mm-hmm. that's how and so all these the church is trying to do is understand this uh this life of god within himself and then how god can interact with us in a very personal intimate way in the person of jesus christ awesome well, so that's a bit about modalism, Sabellianism, as it's called. Uh, there, there's kind of one other that we want to get to tonight uh, before we uh, we end tonight's conversation, and um, really, it's a it's a part uh, that will will play into where we pick up the conversation next week. Um, there's an idea of what's called like subordinationism that deals with that inner relationship of the Trinity, uh, kind of as you were you were hinting. You know, you, you talked about in divine perichoresis, it's the total and complete, you know, gift of oneself to the other members of the Trinity um, and, and that, that rich inner life. Subordinationism um, is this idea that, um, that they are, that there is a distinction of persons, but that they share the they share that divine nature subordinationism says yeah but they've still there's got to be one supreme being and so god has to exist and therefore the son is less and the holy spirit is less yes exactly yeah and that that's a problem and how do we see that played out today ken we see people trying to reduce god to titles See, when, when you subordinate mm-hmm. the, the Son and the Holy Spirit under God the Father, then you reduce God to title. So, for example, there, there was a time where people were baptizing people in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sanctifier, as if the Father uh, was the Creator, because he's the, he's the number one, but then, right. then you have the Redeemer, who is Christ, and the Sanctifier, who is the Holy Spirit, who are kind of less. Well, hold on now. When when it, God, the Father doesn't create, God creates. In Genesis, right. God the Father spoke the word through the Spirit, 
everything came into being in existence. So the God the Father doesn't create. God creates Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The redemption. How did that happen? God the Father uh, overshadowed with the Holy Spirit and Jesus became incarnate. So God was the one that did the, the, the incarnation and redemption. Not just Jesus. God right. did it. All three persons were working together in harmony. And then the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, Jesus had had to ascend to the Father so we could send the Holy Spirit. You know, so the Holy Spirit, in fact, the Holy Spirit's still alive in the church 2,000 years later from Pentecost till now. You know, right. safeguarding, protecting, defending the authentic teachings of the church till Jesus Christ comes back again to to um, to the to, to, to bring the kingdom fully back to the Father, to return everything that the Father has given uh, in the kingdom at the end of time. So you know, the Holy Spirit's not less. You know, sometimes we, and sometimes we kind of think of the Holy Spirit as less because it's hard to get our minds around. You know, because, okay, Father, we can uh, kind of get an image of that. Some, we get an image of that, but Holy Spirit? Or we want to introduce the Holy Spirit to a feminine. You know, well, that's the kind of feminine aspect of God. Well, no, because how could uh, uh, the Holy Spirit who's feminine get a woman pregnant? You know, right, and, and, and like right. overshadow Mary and, and that does, that doesn't work. Although the word for uh, in Genesis two for breathing the breath of life, Ruach is a feminine noun in Hebrew. But again, right. I think, again, God pulling from that inner life, his heart in a sense. Um, but we, so you can't subordinate the present Trinity underneath one under the other. They all work together as one God in every aspect of God's life. You can't reduce. So I can't reduce you can to, you know, um, communications director for the D Nicholas center. That's not who you are. That's your job title. That's not right. who you are as Ken Hellenius, you know? Right. So that's what subordinationism right. does. That's why the, the church had to teach against it. Well, and it's important because, of course, you know, some of what you were talking about, too, some of the great some of the heresies continue to play out throughout Christian history um, in the 13th, 12th, 13th century. There were teachers who were saying, well, you know, the Old Testament was the age of the father. The New Testament was the age of the son. Now we are in the age of the spirit, you know, and while there is an aspect of that that, that makes sense, but therefore saying only the Holy Spirit is who we need to pray to now is where you begin again to emphasize to the exclusion of other truths that are that remain valid and true for the church. We don't pray only to the Holy Spirit right now. Exactly. You know, and exactly. Christ is present on our altars and and we pray to the Father. You know, Through every time we celebrate Spirit. the Eucharist, it's the, the Eucharistic prayer. Listen to it sometime. It's to the Father through the spirit making present Jesus Christ right. the 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 son so yeah it's a uh, the trinity is going to be uh you know at the core of what we're talking about not just this week but for the for the next few weeks as well but deacon we've got to pick up the conversation next week because we've run out of time again yeah and how can people stay in contact with us Find us on Facebook, Living Stones Media. You can also go to our website, livingstonesmedia.org. And you can find us on Twitter at Catholic Stones. But Deacon, until we gather next week, might we have a blessing? Sure, man. Might God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. 
That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com. <laughs> 